Let's stand together as we come now to uh, God's Word. You'll find it on page 939, our passage this morning in the Pew Bibles. And uh, I'll be focusing this morning, we'll be focusing this morning on verse 3. But I'll read the first two verses as well. So I'll read from verse 1 to verse 3 of Romans chapter 1. As we come now to God's Word, let's pray together. Father, may we today return to you, listen to you, trust in you, delight in you, obey you, and be upheld by you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So listen then to uh, God's Word, page 939, Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to verse 3, focusing this morning on verse 3. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Do please sit down. It was just this uh, Thursday evening at the checkout line when I was uh, out shopping with my wife. I noticed, uh, looking at a magazine, there was rumor of yet another baby announcement to come, another royal baby announcement. Uh, The last one was called HRH Prince George Alexander Louis of Cambridge. I I wonder what on earth the next one's going to be called. It's quite a name, wasn't it? Wonderful name, of course. Uh, Excuse me, royalty. Very good name. What is it that makes you truly happy? It's the question I've been thinking about this morning uh, uh, in preparation for this morning for us. In other words, what's the sort of thing that makes you say to yourself, today is going to be a good day, or uh, if you like the black-eyed peas, tonight is going to be a good night? I have something to say this morning that if we could truly understand, and of course that's the challenge, isn't it? truly understanding. But if we could truly understand, it would make us truly happy. And I don't mean uh, ephemeral, superficial happiness, temporary up and down kind of happiness. I I mean, as the hymn puts it, solid joys, lasting pleasures. Uh, The kind of joy that exists despite all the varieties of circumstance that each of us are going through in our own lives this morning, or temperament many different kinds of temperament that we have. This is just natural. But joy beyond and above and through all of that. If we could truly understand what we're looking at this morning, we would experience that joy. It will take a little bit of work for us to get. We're going to have to turn off the TV reruns going on in our mind. But then how many ER reruns and Judge Judy repeats do we really need? Anyway... It is a royal baby announcement. Here's the newspaper headline. It's a boy. And underneath there are pictures of crowds of people who have traveled from a long way to give presents or just to be there so they could tell their own children that they were there. See, the gospel is an announcement. Originally, a gospel was an announcement of a royal birth. We have a text from Caesar Augustus' birthday celebrations, and they were called a gospel. 
an announcement, good news for the whole world. And so when we say the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel of God, we are saying there is a piece of news, an announcement, good news, that has a a joyful impact on the entire globe. And you see, my friends, in particular, this verse 3, the next in what is really in the beginning of Romans, a sort of table of contents for the whole book. In this verse 3, I want us to notice that Paul is now beginning to define this gospel, therefore. He has said already uh, who he is as an apostle, and uh, he has said that the prophets in the Holy Scriptures have pre-preached this uh, gospel. And we saw last week the wonderful implications uh, of that for those of us who believe the gospel. There are no fears, no lies, no condemnation, none. So those are the implications, but what is the gospel? What is its content? Its announcement, an announcement, it's good news. That's what the word gospel means, but what is it an announcement about? Well, Paul tells us, he says, it is concerning his son. Now, when someone has a baby, they don't need to be told to be happy. There have been some babies uh, born this week in the life of College Church. No one has to say to the newborn dad, you know, it's a boy, by the way, you should smile. And so joy is a byproduct of the gospel announcement concerning the Son. And it's also, as we'll see, one of the main goals of Romans as a book, as a whole. Paul, as he concludes, says this is one of his purposes as we will see. So rejoice. Why? Three reasons this morning. Because the wait is over, because it's about Jesus, and because his kingdom will never end. So rejoice. First, because the wait is over. It's been a long time waiting. The gospel has been promised in the Holy Scriptures uh, by the prophets for many, many years. What a long time to wait. Now it's here, finally. Now, personally, I hate waiting. Long doctor's waiting room experiences are low down on my list of favorite things. In fact, even waiting for the birth of one of my children was a little bit difficult for me. Uh, Rochelle once asked me how I felt about waiting before one of our children, and in a rather unthinking moment, I said it was a little boring. (laughs) I do not like to wait. A leader of a ministry I was involved in many years ago caught all my enthusiasm for getting ahead and doing something. He said, we'll teach you patience, uh, which was not quite true, though I certainly learned to wait. Well, we have been waiting. I don't know about you, but it feels to me that in life we're all waiting for something. There is sort of embedded in life this sense of expectation. Is this really it? Is there something more? There's a sense of what is about to happen or what's this life really about concerning. And it's because there is a waiting going on embedded in our whole existence as people. The prophets and the Holy Scriptures pre-preached the gospel and it started this particular theme of the Son in the Bible with Ruth. Perhaps you know that story. Ruth, a foreigner marrying a rich businessman of whom came David. To whom was promised a son whose kingdom would last forever? Well, the son has arrived. Rejoice. The wait is over. The baby is here. It's a boy. 
And what are you waiting for? Some people, it seems, spend their whole lives waiting for their life to begin. Life is short. There is a ticking clock. This is not practice. This is the real thing. And yet there is this feeling that perhaps you have that someone or something is about to happen for whom you are waiting. Well, the announcement, the gospel, is that the waiting is over. He has arrived. And therefore rejoice. Our followers of Jesus may go through many difficult circumstances, but there's no reason for a follower of Jesus to be miserable. Of course, some of us, as I already mentioned, have one kind of temperament. Uh, Others have different kinds of temperament. This is all normal and natural. I'm not talking about that. For some of us, joy means shouting. For others, joy means a slight quiver at the side of the lips. But I'm not talking about the externality the way we express joy. I'm talking about the reality that something has happened about which if we could truly understand this morning, we would truly rejoice. Trust me, we would. It's a boy. One side of our family, there was an elderly relative who had Alzheimer's. She'd lived a long time past the death of her husband, taken care of in a lovely nursing home with kind uh, uh, people taking care of her. Whenever we traveled into that country, we would visit her as a family, and she was always pleased to see us. But I can tell you that when she noticed that we were bringing with us one of our children, perhaps the latest and the smallest, the infant, something in her lit up. The wait is over. Your life can begin. Everything that has been promised has arrived. So rejoice because the wait is over first. Second, rejoice because it's about Jesus. It's concerning the Son, namely Jesus. Now this is what makes the gospel unique. This little phrase, concerning the Son. You could never say that about Buddhism in the same kind of way, about the Buddha. Buddhism is a philosophy of life that could exist just as well without the Buddha. Same with other religions. They're not all focused on their, uh, on, on their founder, if you like. But the gospel is concerning Jesus. It is concerning the Son. That is its central point. Now, my dear friend, will you try to remember that? I'm not here preaching politics or religion or philosophy of life. I want you to meet him I want you to follow him. He is real. He is here by his spirit. He truly lived, he truly died, he truly rose again. And it's all concerning, Paul says, the Son. So our worship here this morning is not about tradition or church or personality. It's all concerning the Son. May he be lifted up and exalted. May we rejoice, therefore. It's not about our preferences, about the color of the carpet or the kind of seats we sit in or whether we have this or that kind of worship folder or this or that kind of message on the poster or on the screen. All these things are completely beside the point. The gospel is concerning the Son. Now, my dear friend, my dear brother and sister, will you try to remember that? You see, this phrase is so rich with meaning. Let me attempt to open it up for us just a little bit this morning. 
The word son has a reference to Ruth, as we've seen, and David, and David's therefore greater son. And in fact, David sings one of his most popular hit songs, the one that everyone would have known, like tonight's going to be a good night. They would have known this song. It's the end of 2 Samuel 22. We know it's the big hit because it's repeated in Psalm 18. And uh, David sings like this, great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, that is the Messiah, the Christ. To David and his offspring, or seed, or descendant, same as here in this verse, forever. So there was a forever promise made to David's seed. And that wasn't Solomon. It's fulfilled in the Christ called Jesus. The son was not finally Israel, or church, or the people of God. It is Jesus. He is fully God. Now we'll consider more uh, what that means when we return to Romans after our missions week and look at verse 4. He's fully God and, though, fully man in the flesh, Paul says. That's a phrase in Paul meaning human nature as it really is. In the flesh. And this refers not just to Jesus' physical body but to his thinking and his feeling And so we're told in the Gospels that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He's fully human in the flesh. He bore our sorrows. He lived our life. He took our death. He is one of us. And yet also fully God. This son of David, it's all concerning him. And you see, any good summary of the gospel emphasizes and clarifies these profound truths. Here's one helpful summary of the Bible. God, us, Jesus, response. God made us to be in a relationship of loving obedience. God, us. We've all rebelled against that relationship and set ourselves up as little gods of our own lives. And the sentence in such rebellion is death. God is just, but also loving. So he sent his son, Jesus. It's concerning his son, to take the death that we deserve, that we might live through him. Response. How will we respond to this announcement concerning Jesus? It's all about Jesus. It's not about preference. It's not about tradition. It's not about chairs, all this or that ministry philosophy. The gospel is an announcement about what God has done in Jesus. It is a royal baby announcement. It's a boy. Therefore rejoice. One of the houses we lived in for a while was in a very rough inner city neighborhood. And I was coming home one day and noticed that a part of the house on the outside needed fixing. And I was standing uh, looking at this part of the house that needed fixing rather despairingly. Because those of you who know me will realize that trying to fix anything around a house is absolutely useless for me. I'm terrible at that. So I was looking at it probably rather glumly, thinking, oh, no, I've got to try and fix this. That will take me a year or something. And and as I was staring at this thing that needed fixing, a policeman stopped his car and walked up to me in a way that seemed very aggressive uh, to me. His head was entirely shaven, and his hand was on his gun, and he looked like he just arrested six drug dealers before breakfast, to be honest. And he began to bark orders at me, you know, what are you doing, you know, etc., 
And I tried to explain rather nicely that I lived there, but he didn't believe a word of it. And uh, at that moment, mercifully, my wife, who had just parked the car opposite on the other side of the street, crossed the street, holding in her arms our firstborn child. And she came up to me as this was going on, and I said something like, Hello, darling. And uh, she looked at me, and then the policeman looked at me. And his expression immediately changed from scowl to smile. You know, he's practically ready to come in for a nice cup of tea, you know. <laughs> so here's how, will you, will you then find joy by focusing on Jesus? It's not Christianity in some sort of vague, ethereal way, the way that you were brought up. It's him. Jesus. Perhaps you heard me say a few weeks ago that uh, the word Christian is only mentioned three times in the entire New Testament. It's a perfectly good word. But it's not vaguely Christianity. It's Jesus. And so Paul puts it like this in verse 6. Including you who are called to to belong to Jesus Christ. Now apply that to you. You, if you you believe in Jesus, you belong to Jesus Christ. We had it in the Heidelberg Catechism already. We said, I belong to him. I, Josh, belong to Jesus Christ. You, Mark, Bill, put your name in there. Belong to him. Nothing, therefore, can separate you from the love of God. Why? Mark, you belong to Jesus James, you belong to Jesus. Hell is defeated. Heaven is is won. Why? You belong to Jesus. And because of all this, therefore, rejoice. And as I say, one of the great purposes of the book of Romans is to cause joy because of Jesus. Uh, Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 15 and verse 9. He says, I'm doing all this, he says, in order. It's a purpose statement. In order that the Gentiles, that is all nations might glorify God for his mercy. That is the mercy of God shown in the gospel concerning his son, which by then you would hope the Romans are beginning to get a deeper grasp of. As it is written, this is now all going to be fulfilled because of Jesus, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all your Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. Extol, that is, lift up on high and say how great he is. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, that is David's son, Jesus, will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And so, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. I hereby give you permission to rejoice. Now imagine the scene at uh, the birth of the royal baby. There he is, and everyone is looking depressed and sad and melancholic. You cannot imagine it, can you? Now, be you, but be you as you are when you are rejoicing. Why? Because it's not about preference, tradition, religion, philosophy. It's all about Jesus, the Son of David, in human flesh, taking our difficulties, pains, sins in his life, living our life, dying our death, rising again to glory, so that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Rejoice. 
Because the wait is over. Because it's about Jesus. Third, because his kingdom will never end. So here when it says, when Paul says that Jesus is descended from David, he doesn't just mean that he came from that line. Of course, that's true. But he means that he fulfills that promise of an eternal kingdom first made to David. So God told David that his son would reign forever. The son that was not Solomon, that son was not Solomon, but is Jesus, this son of David. And so with this long promise, now fulfilled announcement concerning the son in mind, the last book in the Bible, Revelation, concludes this biblical witness about the son of David who is to come, the descendant from David, saying, I, Jesus, am the root and descendant of David. Weep no more, Revelation says. Behold, the root of David has conquered. Rejoice. This kingdom of Jesus's will never end. Of course, as you and I know, death is the great reality that gives the lie to all other joys. We are a seed of time born for eternity, and anything that does not last disappoints. And we all attempt to forget this, living our lives as if we will not die, looking at art or reading books or listening to music that will distract us momentarily from the ticking clock of our mortality. I think it was Oscar Wilde who said, all of us are in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. But even when we look... Our eyes will grow dim. As in so many other instances, the great Augustine puts it excellently when he wrote, everything about us, this is Augustine, everything about us, good as well as evil, is uncertain. When the child is conceived, perhaps he'll be born, perhaps there'll be a miscarriage. Perhaps the child will grow up, perhaps not, perhaps he'll grow old, perhaps not. Perhaps he'll be rich, perhaps poor, perhaps honored, perhaps humiliated, perhaps he'll have children, perhaps not. And the same is true of whatever other good things you may name. Consider also the evils there may be for all everywhere. It is true that perhaps they may be, perhaps not. But can you say of someone, perhaps he will die, perhaps not? As soon as a person is born, it must at once and necessarily be said, Augustine concluded, he will not escape death. There's one preacher I know who calls in his students regularly who are training for the ministry in has darkened the room with just candlelight. In the middle of the table, as he begins to discourse on death, he has placed a human skull. We will die. What a difference it makes, this gospel, if we could fully and truly understand it, this gospel concerning the son descended from David according to the flesh, the inheritor then of the kingdom which God promised would last forever. And when we understand that, it changes our attitude to life. It's not only a great way to live, not just a philosophy of life, it's a great way to die and live forever. One of my early influences in ministry was a preacher in Cambridge, a faithful, godly man, much used by God, who got cancer relatively young and died rather quickly. 
When I heard his disease uh, was uh, being pronounced terminal, I made sure we talked on the phone one more time so I could express my gratitude for his ministry to me. I told one story about how I felt when he was preaching as if the Lord was speaking directly to me. It was like being hammered into the back wall, I told him, and we laughed and talked about that. And as we carried on chatting, he said to me, you know, Josh, people ask me if they can pray that I would be healed. And he said, I would rather they did not. I don't want to be healed. He was ready to meet Jesus. For his kingdom will last forever. Some time ago, there was a church conference where people were given helium-filled balloons to release when they felt joy during the worship service. At the end of the worship service, one-third of the balloons had remained unreleased. Perhaps they felt it was rather cheesy. Perhaps they did not understand that joy comes from this royal baby announcement. Release your balloon. Oliver Wendell Holmes, one of the great justices of the Supreme Court, once explained his choice of career like this. I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. Now, there's nothing wrong with being an undertaker, but, but we have a gospel that is good news, a royal baby announcement. We're not undertakers, we are heralds. It's a boy. <laughs> An announcement. And in the Lord's table, you see, is a visible word. It's the visible ordinance that Jesus himself ordained visually to paint before us the announcement of the good news of the Son. So therefore rejoice. Why? Because the wait is over, because it's about the Son, because his kingdom will last forever. Now, my dear friend... Perhaps uh, this is why you find Christianity so confusing, even discouraging or guilt-inducing. Because you've forgotten that it's about the Son. All the lines of joy are found in the Son who was born, who died, who rose again. Who died our death that we might live forever. Not what you do, what He has done Sometimes I say that religion is spelt D-O, do. The gospel is spelt D-O-N-E, done. Here's the ideal test case, the thief on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, he said to Jesus. That is the eternal kingdom that was promised to the son of David. And Jesus did not say to this thief, make sure you at least pray a little or do some smiling at the people around you. I know you're nailed there, so there's not much in the way of works that you can do, but at least, you know, shake a little or something. No, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The ideal test case. Done. Finished. This gospel concerning his son is the joy giver. It's not the gospel concerning Peter or concerning Paul. It's not the gospel concerning the church. The word church only appears in Romans once. It's not the gospel concerning my particular take on Christianity that I will insist that everyone else will adopt. It is this son 
I've sometimes heard people say that joy stands for Jesus, others, then you, J-O-Y. Well, that's fine, but, but actually, there is really a choice in joy. It is Jesus or you. Jesus or your agenda, your emphasis, your goals, your ideas. Only Jesus will give joy. It will not be unbelief. Voltaire said, as he lay dying, I wish I had never been born. It will not be pleasure. Lord Byron said, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. It will not be money. Very rich uh, J. Gold said as he was dying, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. It will not be fame. Lord Beaconfield said, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, and old age a regret. It will not be military glory. Alexander the Great said, weeping, there are no more worlds to conquer. Perhaps you have so little joy because for you it's really about other things, your ideas, your agendas, your rules and regulations, your philosophies of ministry or life. It's concerning the Son. And when you see Him, everything else just fades into the background. He takes up the whole screen. The wait is over. It's concerning Jesus. His kingdom will last forever. And we are filled with all joy and peace in believing. May it be so for us today. Let's pray. Our Father God, we pray that as we come to this table, your visible word, that we would so focus on uh, Jesus that we would be those who are filled with all joy and peace in believing. We pray that when Satan tempts us to despair, we would look upward and see Jesus and therefore rejoice. In his name we pray. Amen.